God wants to free you from your past. God will make a way for you. We have a God that makes all things new, and God is making a way for you. But if you don't deal with the pain of your past, it will affect your future as well. My name is Mark Foster. I'm the founding senior pastor of the people known as Acts 2 United Methodist Church. And today is a day of new beginnings for you. I hope you'll receive it. All that God has in store for you this day, this Mother's Day. Today is a great day to leave your baggage behind and step into the way that God is making for you. So let's get started. We are in a series called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do disrupted. And man, has our life been disrupted these days. And so the thing that we want to talk about today is leave your baggage behind. Will you say that with me? Leave your baggage behind. But before we do that, we have to remember a few of the steps that we've already taken along this journey together. In week one, we learned to say yes to God. And we can say yes to God because God is good. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His compassion is over all that He has made. Everything that the Lord has made is good. And when it comes to you and to me, He says it's very good. So we celebrate that, that we have a God who loves us and is good, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In week two, we learned this principle, that we need to choose our traveling companions wisely. It's really important who's in your boat. We've talked about that, about when we're going someplace, you need people to row alongside you. Now, we need people who aren't just hanging out, and we certainly don't need people who are drilling holes in our boat. And if we don't know what God is doing and we're not seeking wisdom, then we're drilling holes in our own boat. And we need to talk about that too. So it's so important about who you have with you on this journey. The scripture says in the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift the other up. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Last week, we looked at principle three. And that is that once we know that God is good and we say yes to him and we have our traveling companions, we've chosen them wisely, then we need to seek after God with all that we are. Jesus says it like this, ask, seek, knock, or ask, search, knock. And you'll notice that Either way you say that, it spells ask, ask, search, knock. So as we come to God, God wants us to ask for what we want, and we know that God will give it to us if it is in alignment with his will. Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7. He says, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. So we've learned this thus far. But one of the things that people really struggle with is as we try to move forward and we try to live into that way that God is making, we get weighed down from the hurts and the pains of our past. And so this week, if we want to move forward with God, we have to lay our baggage down. Baggage we carry around does not go away until it is dealt with or finished. We have to lay our burdens down. For example, men with overbearing fathers in the past often develop patterns of resisting authority, being indirect, and not fulfilling upline expectations in the present. You see, if we don't deal with our past, it shows up in our present. 
Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend in their book, God Will Make a Way, uh, told a story about a young man who was really good at his job. People liked him a lot and um, he was good with people and he was a great salesman. But every time one of the people in the finance office asked him for his expense report, he would say he was too busy to do it or he didn't see the importance of it. You see, there were certain people in his job where they were a person of authority and without knowing it, he simply reacted like he had always reacted to his dad. He, he was afraid to say what he had spent uh, the company money on, and so he was indirect. He was less than completely um, honest or forthcoming with what he had done and how he had done it, even though probably they wouldn't have thought anything about it. But he was worried because he had an overbearing dad, and he'd never dealt with that. And so you can guess what happens. The first time they ask him about it, it doesn't go well. He gets defensive. He kind of pushes back. He doesn't know why they don't see all the great attributes that he has because he's acting as a really a small boy uh, inside to these authority figures in his life. And he loses his job. And after two, three, four of these jobs, it really weighs on him, his wife, and his daughters because the baggage that you have from your past will show up in your present if you don't give it to God. And get some help. And so the proverbial wisdom is this in chapter 4. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. All of your life comes out of your heart. And so we know in the scriptures that God looks at your heart. God looks at how you're doing. And we have to really be careful with our emotions and our feelings and our sadness and our hurt. And we have to deal with it. If we don't leave our baggage behind, our past will become our present. Will you say that with me? If we don't leave our baggage behind, our past will become our present. So today, I want to help with this. This has been a big transformation in my own life about how I make sure that my past isn't affecting my present or my future. And so I want to share with you three principles that I think can be really life transforming. I've seen it over and over and over in my own life and the lives of people in the churches that I've served over the past 20 to 30 years. So let's get started. How do you leave your baggage behind? There are three steps to rescue your heart from the past. The first is to acknowledge what's going on with you. Agree you have a problem from the past and confess it. Now, this word con- confess is, is a biblical word. It's not one that uh, we see often in daily life unless we're talking about something really terrible like in a court of law. Well, he confessed to that crime. Um, I want to try to lighten that up some. Really what we're talking about confessing is simply telling the truth about you. Um, We're not acting better than we are or worse than we are. We're simply saying this is the book on me. This really is what's going on with me. And so in the Bible, in 1 John, it says this. If we say that we have no sin, separation from God, we deceive ourselves. All of us have problems. All of us are separated more or less from God from time to time. And the truth is not in us. And then, and then watch this, if, right, that's really important, if we confess our sins, if we're honest with God, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I highlighted all unrighteousness here because so oftentimes we think, well, maybe God can forgive me of this or forgive me of that. But this thing over here, I can't even look at it. I'm so afraid of what God will think or so ashamed of what someone else will think. I I just don't even want to bring it up to my consciousness. 
But friends, the promise of the Bible is that God is so good, so merciful, so loving, that if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of it. Dr. Henry Cloud is right. He says, no issue can be overcome until we admit that it exists. We have to let it come up and deal with it. And then we can be set free from that. But we have to acknowledge it. We never feel any emotion, whether anger or passion or being numb, for no reason. And so sometimes when people come and visit with me, uh, they'll say, well, um, I felt this for no reason. And, and what I need you to know is that there's never any emotion that we feel for no reason. There's always a reason. There's a reason behind it. And, and it takes courage and it takes bravery and it, it takes prayer and it takes a support system around you to be brave enough to say, okay, well, what is that reason? Because sometimes it can be very, very painful. More often than I would like to talk about, uh, there are families in our own church uh, that begin to struggle um, when their kids are about a certain age. Um, and, and more often than not, it has to do with trauma that either the mom or the dad had when the children were of that age. And they have all these feelings that come flooding to them, and they don't, they don't know what to do. Um, Dr. Cloud and Townsend talked about uh, one woman who said uh, that she could no longer be intimate with her husband. She just felt numb when they would uh, go to bed and try to be intimate together. And, and she said, oh, I just felt numb for no reason. And of course, they knew that it wasn't for no reason. It was because of trauma that she had had in her life. And if you've ever been to a 12-step group of any type, uh, you'll know these next words. You can't heal what you don't feel. And you can't feel what you medicate. Will you say that with me? You can't heal what you don't feel. And you can't feel what you medicate. And so if you find yourself medicating, um, it's worth... The question, what is underneath this? What's going on with me? Why do I feel this way? And it, it pains me to share this, but this is absolutely true. And this has been true over numbers of decades now. And studies bear this out. That one in three women and one in five men experience sexual trauma by age 18. That's a lot of us, friends. That's friends and neighbors. There's, there's no shame or guilt Uh, that needs to be associated with something that happened to you as a child or as an adolescent. Um, There's help. There's healing. There's therapists. There's people trained to help you find a way through this. You don't have to struggle alone. Uh, Your church loves you. God loves you. And good trained therapists can help you with this. And um, in the story I was telling you about before, um, this woman found out that she had trauma. And it was triggered uh, when her daughter turned the age that it happened to her. Um, But it was really painful and really hard for her to find a place that was safe enough uh, and for her to be courageous enough to finally work on that. And it was transforming for her and her life and her family. And and God made a way for her uh, through other people to bless her and to pray for her and to lift her up. But here's, here's the hard truth. Until we work through those experiences, they continue to be present, not past. They, they affect our relationships with those closest to us um, in our home, in our family, with our spouse, with our children, with our parents, with our workers at work. And so the first thing we have to do, and it does take courage, friends. It ha- you have to be courageous. And, and, and we ask God for help with this, is to acknowledge um, the things that we've done that we feel uh, bad about or the things that have happened to us 
know, that we feel shame or guilt about. So the first thing is to acknowledge. The second is to grieve, to express grief and allow healing. Because until we allow the sadness to come in, until we allow uh, the tears or the grief, the mourning, uh, the sadness, then healing um, just stays away until, until we accept and acknowledge what's happened to us and then we can grieve it and then we can begin to be released of it. The scripture in Romans, the early church was taught this, rejoice with those who rejoice, of course, but we also weep with those who weep. Friends, each and every one of us, we need to grieve. We need to be sad about the things where we have great loss. When we have people that we love who have passed, when we've had trauma that has happened to us, when we have been bad actors in our own lives and the lives of others, we need to be forgiven. We need to grieve that. We need to release that to God and to be truthful about who we are and what we're feeling and what's going on with us. Again, the wisdom literature uh, of the Hebrew scripture says this in Ecclesiastes. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of everyone, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of countenance the heart is made glad. And then read this last part with me. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. See, friends, there is wisdom in being honest about our feelings, about what's going on with us, and sharing with those closest to us those with safe people, those that we can depend on and rely on, this is the path to healing. And it can be very hard, but God is making a way for you. I want to encourage you to take it. So friends, if your heart has been broken, it can be mended. Hear that good news, friends. If your heart's been broken, it can be mended by the love and care of others. But it's going to take other people. More than likely, for most of us, if not all of us, We never find healing just on our own. We just don't wake up and are healed by the problems in our lives. It takes the love and care of others. That's what the church is for, to love and care for others and to bring healing and wholeness and transformation to the world. That's why we're a church, friends, the people of God, on mission for God to love and care for others, to bring healing to the world. So acknowledge, grieve, and finally, forgive. And to forgive is to untie yourself from previous failures, shortcomings, and hardships. People say, well, I don't want to forgive because uh, they don't deserve it. It's not about who deserves it. Well, I don't want to forgive because they might hurt me again, and I don't want them in my life. That's not what forgiveness is either. Forgiveness in the Bible is about untying yourself from the pain of your past. It's to untie yourself from the power dynamic of trying to get something that someone's not willing to give you. It's simply to untie. I love this photo um, because it reminds me that we can get so knotted up in our life. We can get so bound by bad relationships, things that we're afraid to let go of. But friends, as your hands are knotted up and closed, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to receive what God has for you. If you want to receive blessings in your life, if you want to be free, you have to open your hands to let go of the pain, to untie yourself from your past and let God bless you into open arms and open hands. You see, God is good and God wants to free you from guilt and shame associated with past hurts. One of the hardest things is that when we have bad things happen in our life, there's shame, there's guilt, there's isolation, there's depression, and it circles on itself over and over and over again. And God wants you to be free of that. God wants you to be free from guilt and shame associated with your past hurts. 
The songbook of the early church, the psalm says this, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, friends, God removes our transgressions from us. So if you want to be set free from the guilt and shame of your past, just ask. God is willing. God is more ready to hear you than you are even to pray. God is waiting for you to reach out so he can bless you and help you and set you free. Hebrews 8 says this, For I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. No more. The great news, friends, is this, that God will make a way. God will make a way. And one of the most powerful ways God makes a way out of our past failures is by having us talk to each other and to pray for one another. And that brings us back to the scripture we started with this morning. Are any among you suffering? Pray. Are any cheerful? Sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? Call the elders of the church. Gather them around and pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of the faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Tell the truth about what's really going on with you and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Receive your healing today, friends. Set, be set free by the goodness of God and one another because the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. You see, forgiveness frees us from feeling like we have to try to collect something we can never collect. My heart breaks for people in our church where they are just striving and striving to try to get something from someone that they're just not going to get. Maybe they've been wronged in a lawsuit or harmed in a divorce proceeding or maybe it was a wrongful termination. And I've watched people lose their very lives trying to get justice in this life where there's not going to be any justice, where they're trying to get compensation or child support or alimony from people that just aren't going to be there. Today, God wants to set you free, to untie yourself from that mess and to have a new life. This is such an important message this Mother's Day because no one had a perfect mother growing up and no one is a perfect mother uh, or knows one. And so I wanted to ask uh, Chantel, my wife, if she'll come up um, to talk about Mother's Day and how important it is Um, that we're honest about uh, what it is to be a mom these days, how hard it is, and that God is there for you um, in this incredible ministry of being a mom. Hey, honey, thanks for helping out. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. What to do when you don't know what to do. What a great sermon series for um, a Mother's Day weekend. Uh, Being a mom is so much of trying to figure out what to do when you have no idea what to do. Recently, a friend of mine shared a story that was written by Nicole Johnson, and she writes about a young mother. And this story moved me, and I wanted to share it with you. It's a little bit long, so I just ask that you uh, stick with me. I think it's worth it. It all began to make sense. The blank stares, the lack of response, the way one of the kids will walk into the room while I'm on the phone and ask to be taken to the store. Inside, I'm thinking, can't you see I'm on the phone? Obviously not. No one can see if I'm on the phone or cooking or sweeping the floor or even standing on my head in the corner because no one can see me at all. I'm invisible. 
the invisible mom. Some days I'm only a pair of hands, nothing more. Can you fix this? Can you tie this? Can you open this? Some days I'm not a pair of hands. I'm not even a human being. I'm a clock to ask, what time is it? I'm a satellite guide to answer, what number is the Disney Channel? I'm a car to order, right around 5.30, please. Some days I'm a crystal ball. Where's my other sock? Where's my phone? What's for dinner? I was certain that these were the hands that once held books and the eyes that studied history, music, and literature. But now they had disappeared into peanut butter, never to be seen again. She's going, she's going, she's gone. One night, a group of us were having dinner, celebrating the return of a friend from England. She had just gotten back from a fabulous trip, and she was going on and on about the hotel she was staying in. I was sitting there looking around at all the others so well put together, and it was hard not to compare and feel sorry for myself. I was feeling pretty pathetic when she turned to me with a beautifully wrapped package and said, I brought you this. It was a book on the great cathedrals of Europe. It w I wasn't exactly sure why she had given it to me until I read her inscription, with admiration for the greatness of what you were building when no one sees. In the days ahead, I would read, no devour this book, and I would discover what would become for me four life-changing truths after which I could pattern my work. The first being, no one can say who built the great cathedrals. We have no record of their names. Two, these builders gave their whole lives for a work they would never see finished. Three, they made great sacrifices and expected no credit. Four, the passion of their building was fueled by their faith that the eyes of God saw everything. A story of a legend told of a rich man who came to visit the cathedral while it was being built. He saw a workman carving a tiny bird on the inside of a beam. He was puzzled and asked the man, why are you spending so much time carving that bird into a beam that will be covered by the roof? No one will ever see it. And the workman replied, because God sees. I closed the book, feeling the missing piece fall into place. It was almost as if I heard God whispering to me, I see you. I see the sacrifices you make every day, when even no one around you does. No act of kindness you've done, no sequin you've sewn on, no cupcake you've baked, no Cub Scout meeting, no last-minute errand is too small for me to notice and smile over. You are building a cathedral, but you can't see right now what it will become. I keep the right perspective when I see myself as a great builder, as one of the people who show up at a job that they will never see finished, to work on something that their name will never be on. The writer of the book went so far as to say that no cathedrals could ever be built in our lifetime because there were so few people willing to sacrifice to that degree. When I really think about it, I don't want my son to tell a friend he's bringing home from college for Thanksgiving. My mom gets up at 4 a.m. to bake all the pies. 
and then she bastes the turkey by hand for three hours and presses all the linens for the table, that would mean I built a monument to myself. I just want him to come home. And then if there's anything more to say to his friend that he would say, you're going to love it there. As mothers, we are building great cathedrals. We cannot be seen if we're doing it right. And one day it is very possible that the world will marvel, not only at what we have built, but at the beauty that has been added to the world by the sacrifices of invisible mothers. So many things that we do as moms just go unseen. Sometimes the things that we do feel like we really do well, those things aren't seen at all. And the things that we mess up on that we feel like we really did a bad job at, we feel like those things are seen right away. And sometimes we just don't know the right thing to do. And we can judge ourselves very harshly, much more harshly than we would ever think of judging a friend. And so being a mom, it's not as if it's just, it's already so hard on its own. I mean, when I had a child 23 years ago, they didn't come with a manual to tell me how to do it. But then when you have a child, sometimes you also are dealing with some emotional pain that you didn't know was there from unfinished business that you've never taken care of in your past. And so as a mentor mom um, here at Acts 2 to our MOPS group, our Mothers of Preschoolers group, I feel like a broken record when I say the same thing over and over again to the young moms as they talk to me and tell me their stories. I tell them, go to counseling, get help. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I did it, I was broken too, I am broken, and I went to get help. Everyone's broken, either privately or publicly, and only the bravest of people will get help to heal. I speak about this from experience because I did seek help and I worked hard to heal, and I still have work to do. I realized that I had healed quite a lot when I was having a conversation with a friend and I was telling her a story about how I was the only kid in my kindergarten class that had divorced parents. And she stopped me and she said, I didn't know that about you. And I was like, really? You didn't know that? You never heard that story? And she said, no. And I realized in that moment that that was something from my past that had been healed and that that story as the only kindergartner that had divorced parents, that that story didn't define me anymore, didn't have a grip on me anymore. And that made me feel so great. I had done years of therapy and personal growth to get to that point. And for me, the biggest mental hurdle in emotional healing, in healing of relationships, even just in my growth and my relationship with God, is looking at all of this as a lifelong journey. This isn't a sprint. It's not something that we're going to be done with and put aside. It's something that we're going to keep working on and keep working on it. I like to think of it as just seeing myself carrying this backpack, and this backpack is just full of rocks as I move throughout my life. And at this point in my life, I've taken out all of the really big rocks that have made it so heavy, and now there's just little rocks that are left in the backpack. And as I go along in my healing journey, I'm just kind of dropping those rocks as I go, and that backpack is getting lighter and lighter. And I know that when that backpack is empty will be the moment that I have fully understood the depth of God's love for me. So moms, 
I want to encourage you to keep doing the hard work. Keep doing the hard work of healing. Keep doing the hard work of shaping souls. It's really important. When I was younger, I had a friend who would never fill out forms and put homemaker as her job description on any of the school forms. She would always use the words shaper of souls. That was her job, and she took her work very seriously. So I encourage you, continue on in your work of being shaper of souls. God sees you, and remember, you're building cathedrals. Thank you. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. Thanks. You're welcome. So, I, mean, um, I hope you'll uh, text or email uh, and just bug Chantel all, all day long and tell her how great she did. And a blessing to all you moms out there. I know you're working really hard and you do make a wonderful difference. You're not invisible. We see you and we appreciate you. So, to close up, how do we live into this? How do we transform uh, our lives and receive the healing that God has for us? Our action steps are these. First, examine your patterns and get help. The, the very things that worked great at three, like if you're three and you were scared and so you decided to have an invisible friend that sleeps with you in your bed, that's great at three. If you're 30, that's weird. You got to stop that. Get some help. Have a different coping mechanism. So action step one, examine your patterns, whatever they are, and get some help. Secondly, then, if you feel bad about something, really about anything, ask God to take it from you. And, and you can replace this with sad or mad or angry or confused or anxious. Whatever this is here, offer it up to God. Ask, ask, seek, knock. God is more than willing to bless you and to set you free. Today's the day to leave your baggage behind, friends. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In just a moment, uh, we will be taking up our offering, and I just want to say thank you for each and every one of you who are in a position to be able to continue to support the church. We want to say thank you. And equally important, if you are in need today, let us know. There, we promise that there should be no single person who's a member of our covenant community that's in need. And so if you're in need today, we want to help you. Uh, we will feed you. We will clothe you. We will house you. We will make sure that you are doing okay if you're a part of our covenant family. So please reach out and let us know because we can't know how you're doing if you don't tell us. So we hope you'll tell us um, how you're doing these days. And uh, just as a reminder, roughly half of our giving here comes right now um, during our worship services online. And so if you haven't yet given this week and that's a part of your uh, normal activities, we pray that you do so now. And we thank you in advance for giving with glad and generous hearts online.